Right. Good morning, everyone. I just want to say I love you guys. This, this is such an incredible family to be a part of, and I am honored to be here with you all. And man, I just, <laughs> I can't get over that available song. That's still tearing me up. And I just want to encourage you all, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you feel like you have to bring to the table, God can work with that. And that is enough for him. All he's looking for us is to say, hey, I'm available. Whatever I got is enough because you're going to empower me to do it. And I'm thinking of Gideon, right? He's hiding, threshing wheat like I hope nobody finds me. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Greetings, mighty warrior. <laughs> huh? Me? No, 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 no. That's, I'm the least of the least of the least of the least. And that's okay. God, God was saying, hey, I know who you really are. And if you say yes, if you make yourself available, I will lead you and I will walk you and you will have an impact on thousands of people if you just say yes. And so let that be an encouragement today. Like, that's just what God was speaking to me as we we're singing that song. I'm available. We don't have to come with qualifications. We don't have to come with the, all these degrees and accolades and all these skills. We just go, God, this is me. You got all of me, and I want to be used. I'm available. Lead me. Show me where you want me to go, and he'll do the rest. So let that be an encouragement. That was not in my notes at all, but that was what God was putting on my heart. And so um, I wanted to give that all away. So I'm back, week three. I didn't, didn't, didn't think we'd still be going, but I guess God's got some more that he wants to say. As, as we're looking at this challenging topic of forgiveness and walking in into the freedom that he has for all of us, again, it's, it's one of the most difficult things we're ever going to do in our life to learn to walk in forgiveness, to choose to walk in forgiveness. And it's something that we cannot do on our own strength. It is not possible to forgive apart from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We just don't have the strength to do it. But God can meet us there. Again, if we make ourselves available and we say, God, I don't know how to do this, help. That's one of the most powerful prayers we can say sometimes, is just help. And so as we, as we kick this off today, let's just pray. Jesus, we are available. God, I am available. Father, would you come and speak? Let my words be your words today, God. I pray that you would prepare our hearts for what you have, the revelation that you want to bring us today. God, we want more of you. We want to know you more. God, we don't want to just know about you. We want to know you. We want to know your heart. We want to feel what you feel. We want to know how deeply loved we are. So please come and speak to us. Push all the distractions aside right now, God. We're here for you. We want to receive from you. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We need more of you, God. We cannot do this life alone. But with you, all things are possible. So meet us today. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for what you are going to do in us today. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right. So I want to talk a little bit today about the heart of the Father. 
and dive into who God is, because that is the foundation. Like, that is the fundamental truth. And what we believe about God as our Father is going to influence, and it's going to be the filter that we receive love from him. It's going to be the way that we look at every single topic in the Bible, every single thing that he says, how we feel about him is going to be an influence to that. And so his love for us is incredible. It's life-changing. You know, and everyone knows up here, head knowledge, that Jesus loves me, this I know. That's one of the first songs we learned growing up, right? But if we could let that truth penetrate our hearts, Jesus loves me. Oh, I'm a mess. I, me? I, I don't know if I love me sometimes. But Jesus loves me. And that love is everything. It's everything. It's what everything is built on. It's a foundation. If you think about a house, when you're building a house, that foundation is essential. You know, here in this part of town, there's a lot of moving, moving earth. Sometimes we have foundation issues with our houses, and it causes problems. Cracks are showing up. Doors don't shut anymore. All of these things happen when the foundation isn't solid. And so God wants us to go here today and understand his love as the foundation of who we are and what we believe. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. Right there. We can stop right there. Love. He loved the world and he gave his son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but would have eternal life. It's that love. And then there's Romans 8. You pull it up on the screen. Romans 8, 35 through 39. says, can anything ever separate us from the love of Christ? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or if we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or even threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. Not death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Just let that sink in. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, not Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the heart of the Father. He loves us. And sometimes we, we have a distorted version of what love is. Culture has unfortunately influenced a lot of love. All right, love means I saw this on Disney growing up, so happily ever after, that's love. All right, there's one way. There's another way. Okay, love is just being nice to everyone. Just, just nice them to death, and that is love. But if you think about it, like everyone who is a, a parent out here knows that some of the times the most loving thing you can do for your children is not to tell them, yeah, you can, you can continue to eat cake every single meal for the rest of your life. But I want to. Cake is good. And so love isn't always just, just giving people what they want. And so there, there's, there's all these different views and understandings of, of what love really is, and God wants to redefine what love is for us. In 1 Corinthians 13, the, the love chapter in the Bible, love is patient, love is kind. I don't have it memorized. I probably should. 
But these are all the things that love is. And if God is love, these are all the things that God is. So God is patient. God is kind. And so, again, this is the foundation of everything that we believe. And so if, if God loves us, let's look at it this way. If God loves us as much as he says he does, then we can take him at his word. When he says something, hey, this is good for you. This will bring life to you. We can trust him in that. Even if we don't like it, even if it's like, God, I don't know, that doesn't feel good. Are you sure? Yes, it is for your good. And he does love us. And no matter what it might feel like, we have to remember that he's got the big picture in mind. All we can see is what's right in front of us. And right now, this doesn't feel good. God, you're telling me to go this way? That looks scary. That looks hard. That looks painful. I want to go this way where it looks less painful. But God's saying, hey, I know what's good for you. I can see the beginning and the end. I can see how life is going to play out. I can see what's going to bring you life and what's just going to bring you comfort for a moment but ultimately lead to death. And so he wants to lead us toward life. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, scripture that a lot of people know and declare over their life. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. This is God's heart. Plans for a hope and a future. And so we can trust what God says. When God says, hey, this is for you, this is good. When we're looking at the Bible and God says, hey, this is good. Hey, this is not good. There's a reason for it. And so that belief has to undergird everything that we read. Otherwise, it can be so tempting to fall into one of these two camps. We can either end up in legalism, where, okay, God gave me all these rules. I got to live by these rules. He gave me the rule book. I got to check the box. Got to make sure I'm following everything so that I keep God happy. I don't want God to get upset with me. This is the truth. Or we come over here and we go, oh my gosh, grace. This is amazing. I can do whatever, and I know that God's grace is there. He's going to forgive me, and I can just go on living life how I want, and then there's more grace, and it's wonderful. One of those is easy. And I, I had this, this illustration I wanted to do, but Holy Spirit reminded me I'm not as athletic as I once was, so I decided not to do it. But it would be like if you had a board and you're balancing on, you know, a little roller in the middle. If you had all your weight on one side, that's stable, that's safe. If you had all your weight on the other side, that's stable, that's safe, and this is easy. But to stay in the middle, oh, like, I'm really glad I didn't decide to do this illustration, but I hope you guys can envision the idea that I was going for is that that is challenging to stay in the middle unless you have something to hold on to. Unless you have something to hold you steady as you're trying to navigate that challenging distance between the two. And so there's a, a place in the middle of those things where we have grace. There is so much grace. But the, the um, revelation that God gave to me that he said is he said, a loving father desires his children to mature and grow, not stay where they are. But he also provides the freedom and the grace to cover their shortcomings through the process. God's for us. Remember, that's, this is the truth that we have to take and we have to hold on to this truth. God is for us, he loves us, and he desires good for us. And so whatever he says is going to be wrapped up in that truth. 
He desires the absolute best for us, but it's according to his definition. It may sometimes not line up with what we feel is best for us in the moment. And we can trust his word. So as we're diving into this today, that's the foundation that God really impressed on my heart to lay so that we're going to look at this from God. If God says this, then it has to be for our good. It has to be to bring life and to give life. So we roll it all the way back, very beginning of the Bible, creation. God is speaking, and the universe is being created. Stars are forming, planets are forming, life is forming on earth. He's separating the waters from the sky, the waters from the land, and this is good. And he saw that it's good, and he saw that it's good, and he saw that it's good. And the very first time in the Bible that something was not good is when God said, Hey, it's not good for man to be alone. And a lot of times we hear that verse kind of used as a marriage verse, like, yeah, marriage is great. It's not good for man to be alone. And marriage is wonderful, but I don't think that captures the entire heart of what God was saying. He's saying it's not good for us to be by ourselves as we go through life. And so today I want to talk about community. I want to talk about how much we need one another in order to make it through life. Because when we're by ourselves, we get beat up badly. We get overwhelmed. We get oppressed. We get just so discouraged and depressed and like, I can't do this when, you, when we're alone. And so this is a truth that God set up right from the very beginning. Like, it's not good to be alone. So we need one another. This is a verse in Ecclesiastes that talks about this. It's a great example. It says, two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And so again, this is, there's this illustration being unpacked of, hey, one, that's not good. Two, that's better. Three, that's even better. We are created for community. We are created for one another. And if you think about the illustration of the church as the body of Christ, if you think about a body, it's got a lot of different parts. Each part has a separate function. And we need every single part to function in the way it was designed to function in order for our body to be whole and healed and operate. You know, if my, if my brain wasn't connected well and talking to the nerves and my muscles, I wouldn't be able to walk around up here. I'd fall right over because my body would be out of whack. And so us, as the body of Christ, we need one another in order to function, in order to move, in order to walk out this life. Because life, life can be hard. It can, it can leave us beat up if we're isolated. And the thing I want to touch on, again, we're talking about forgiveness, is that we need to be able to walk in forgiveness or else we're never going to be able to have these relationships. Because it's tough. Being in community is, is a very challenging thing. Um, without that forgiveness, you know, I want, I'm trying to pursue a friendship. I'm hanging out with Dathan. All of a sudden, he does something that offends me and hurts me. And now, oh. No, I don't, I don't really want to hang out with him anymore. I just, 
I don't know, that's, that wasn't great. I wanted something, I thought that he would be able to help me, and he didn't help me in the way that I thought I wanted to be helped, and now I'm hurt, and I'm gonna drive toward isolation, and that's, that's the enemy's playground when we're alone. So we don't have anybody that can encourage us, we don't have anyone that can pick us up, and go, hey, let's do this again, you can do it. And so this, this concept has become more and more challenging in the American culture. You know, some, some communities do it really well, where they live in community, they, they work together, but by and large, there's, there's more and more people here in America that have their bubble. And I've got my bubble, I've got my life, and I'm living this way, and sure, you can come over for dinner. Yeah, come on in. And then have a good night, bye, and I'm back to my bubble. And so it isn't, it isn't really doing life together, it isn't really doing community together, it's, it's a form of community that's healthier than nothing, but I feel like God created us for even more than that. And especially as we go forward, you know, you look at the world we're living in today, you know, being a Christian in America isn't going to get any easier. It's, there, there are things that are happening that are starting to make it more and more challenging to live and walk out our faith confidently. And so we need one another. As, as we move forward from here, we have to be able to encourage one another, walk alongside one another, pick each other up, and be the body. So we're not a, a body walking around without eyes that we can't see where we're going or without legs where we can't even move. So that's, that's the thing that, again, I, God won't let me come up here and talk unless I've been walking through it myself. And so the, the challenge that I had, as I've told you guys about, was, was wearing a mask and just everything's fine. I'm great. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, Life's, life's great. I'm blessed and highly favored. And little Christianese statements we kind of sprinkle out there sometimes when people ask, how are you doing? And so I lived that life behind a mask. I also lived in isolation. So ever since I graduated college, for about nine or 10 years after that, I lived by myself. Didn't have roommates, wasn't married, didn't have anyone else that I was doing life with. And it was, it was pretty comfortable. I could do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And it was good. I didn't have anybody telling me to wash those dishes in the dishwasher. Like, I could kind of pile up and nobody would know until I had people over and then I'd clean it up and make sure they thought I was a good, you know, adult. But all the while I'm living by myself and I'm not being edified, I'm not being poured into. Well, opportunity came for me to go on a, a long mission trip where I was going to be around the same about 41 people for 11 months. That scared me a little bit because I couldn't hide anymore. They, they would have to see the real me. And my greatest desire in life truly was to be fully known and fully loved. My greatest fear was to be fully known and not loved. So I lived out of that place and I just kept myself hidden so I, I'm not going to be fully known to protect myself. I, I, I'm going to stay safe. As long as I don't make myself known, I can be safe. But I also can't be loved. And so as I went on the, the world race, is what this mission trip was called, I was surrounded by people 24-7. I couldn't hide. They saw the real me. When I would get frustrated and when I would normally be able to kind of escape to my house and be frustrated by myself, like they, they saw what I was like. They saw my ugly. They saw my imperfect. But it was such a powerful experience for me because I realized that 
who I was, truly, not the mask, but who I really was, was worth being loved. And so we had a, a, a wonderfully talented um, storyteller on our, uh, on our team that put together this video that I would like to show you guys that talks about community. And so enjoy uh, what my squad mate put together here for a couple minutes. You're doing it again. Performing. You're hiding behind something. I can't see you. You can look so free, so put together, but you know you're deceiving everyone. It's a never-ending performance. Call it what you will. Filter, mask, facade. It is a toxic shield you hide behind. You choke on the lies you tell yourself, and then feed them to those around you. Masks make you feel safer even when they become suffocating. The irony is that when you're standing across from someone who is hidden or shielded by masks, you feel frustrated and disconnected. Why are you drawn to others' vulnerability and authenticity, but repelled by your own? Anxious thoughts circle in your mind, rooted in the pride that consumes your life. They're probably going to lie. What if I fail? What if I'm not good enough? Will I get rejected? Like me? What if I like control? control? My life? What if, I, what if they don't like what they see? What if they lie? Pretty enough. You are commanded to be terribly real in a terribly fake world. Taking down your masks and what you hide behind takes risk. Choosing to be real instead of light is unsafe. But you can either be shiny and admired, or you can be real and loved. And so you take off the mask, hoping the real you isn't too disappointing. You call the show off, and then it happens. You see, when the performance is over, the audience goes home. Take a good look at who's left, the ones that stuck around, waiting for the real you and not interested in a performance. That is your community. Community is hard. It exposes parts of you you didn't know you had. You didn't want to admit were there. It calls you to truth and higher standards. It's unrelenting, unwavering, spurring you on. You resent it at times, wish it away. But it stays. It's beautifully necessary for growth, for strength for self-discovery and trust, discipleship, honesty, compassion, patience. For love, you try to patch up the stuff you're not made of, afraid to drop the walls of shame, to let the real self shine. A temporary fix to a temporary filter in a temporary world. But your relentless community brings you to reality, face to face with your deceit and your need for truth. And when you finally decide to drop all your masks at the foot of the cross, your head bowed at the old life that was lost, a new hope springs up, and you rise to meet his eyes, no longer needing to hide behind what once was your disguise. This love endures
are free and you are vibrant, gasping the new breath from the adrenaline burst and verse blender. So, end the performance. Dismiss the audience. Find your community. Be safe. Tiara put it way more eloquently than I could, but there is such a need for community. And that's, that's my story, too. When I learned that living behind a mask was not what God had for me, was not the best for me, there was so much life that started to happen. But there's also a lot of pain that came with that, too. Because, as you know, we're, we're a bunch of imperfect people. Even people that love Jesus and are passionate about God will still hurt you. And as, as I started opening myself up, and I'm like, man, here's the real me, some of the times the reactions that I got were not what I hoped for. They were not the loving covering that I got, and, and it hurt. And so as we're talking about forgiveness, like, if I, if I gave in to those feelings of, man, you hurt me, like, I was trying to be loving, I'm trying this community thing, I, that's, I, I, don't, I just don't know if it's for me. It was an invitation for God to, to meet me there, to remind me that these are people that love me, they do care about me, but what I needed to do was choose to walk in forgiveness and go, you know what, hey, that did hurt, but I'm not going to hold that against you because I, I need this. I, I need you. I need what you bring. I can't do this alone. And so, again, it's great timing. Like we're starting up small groups here at New Life this week, and that is one of the best ways to get plugged into a community because a lot of times it's just kind of a buzzword that's thrown out like, oh, yeah, you need community. Here, get plugged into community, and, and it's easy to kind of be sitting there like, well, how? I, I show up to church, sit around, try to stick around for a couple extra minutes afterward. Nobody really comes and talks to me, and then I go home and go on with my life, and it's, it's hard to get plugged in. But when you have a common theme that unites you, hey, we're going to get together and we're going we're gonna to talk about grief. We're going to walk through the challenges of life. Hey, we're going to get together. We're going to talk about um, love and respect. We're going to talk about marriage. Um, you know, we're going to get together and we're going to you know, do quilting. Like, there, there are so many different things that you can unite around a common uh, interest. And then you start to open yourself up and then you see, man, there's a lot of really amazing people here. I'm not alone. I, I, here, I, I thought that this is just me trying to figure it out on my own. And wait, they're, they're going through this stuff too? I thought it was just me. And we start coming together and we can pick each other up and go, hey, I've been there too. Or I'm walking through that as well. Man, what have you learned? Ooh, I really needed to hear that. Thank you so much for sharing your heart. And those masks come down and we realize I'm not alone. That's, that's one of the biggest lies the enemy tries to throw at us is you're alone. Nobody is going to love you if they really know the real you. There's nobody else that's gone through that. You're the first person that struggled with this. Hide that. Be ashamed about it. And don't ever tell anyone. That will drive us into isolation and put us in, in prison if we allow it to. And <laughs> the temptation, again, is that unforgiveness will always lead us to isolation. If we hold on to that hurt, if we go, man, no, they hurt me. I'm not going to. 
I'm not going to try that again. Tried it once before. It's going to lead us to isolation. That doesn't mean forgiveness is easy. That, that is the biggest thing that I want to get. Like, I understand that forgiveness is an offensive word. Because as soon as you say forgiveness, people just go, nope, not going to, nope, you don't know what they did to me. There is, there is so much very real pain when we start talking about forgiveness that I'm not dismissing that. I want you to know that. The heart of God is never dismissing your pain. He wants to meet you in that pain and walk with you through whatever it is that is causing you to hurt. But he's not pushing it aside. He's not saying, just forget about it. Forgive him. Get over it. That is not God's heart. Your pain is real. Your pain is valid. And he wants to show up right there. Whether you're standing there going, God, this is really kind of tough. That person cut me off and I want to tell them they're number one. Or if it's something that has you completely debilitated, like you can't function anymore. There's that much pain. There's that much hurt. Anything on that spectrum, God is able to meet you there. And he will meet you there if you open that up to him. But sometimes we need one another. That's another, another reason why we need community is, okay, not just forgiving my community, but what if I got royally, you know, messed over at work? I got blamed for something that wasn't my fault. I got accused of something. I got demoted. All of these things happened, and I'm messed up. I'm torn up about this, and I can't do it. And I'm just consumed with this, oh, every time I go to work and I see them and I just can't believe what, I need my community to help me through that struggle, to help me through that pain, to help me walk in forgiveness. I can't do that without help because it's a heavy burden. And I, I need the spirit of God, but sometimes I need people as well to point me to God. Sometimes I can't muster up enough strength on my own to go, okay, God, I'm going to surrender this now. I'm like, I don't want to surrender, God. I'm hurting, and this is it. But now I can talk to my community, and I can go, I'm really hurting. I don't know what to do. And they can meet me there, and they can be a safe place for me to share my heart, and then they can encourage me and point me toward God. Not with a list of, of legalism. Do this. You're supposed to. Not with the grace of like, oh, yeah, you know, just get them back, and then God will cover you. It's fine. But, hey, Here's God's heart. Remember, he desires good for you. Right now, you're in a prison. How does it feel to be in prison? That's, that's, that's not where God desired you to, designed you to live. That's not where he desires you to stay. And then another thing that God gave me is the, the truth that if you were wounded in community or you were wounded by a community, you can only be healed in a community as well. And so, again, you, you see that a lot in, in church. Like, you've heard people in church with church hurt. They get offended. They get messed up about something the church did, and they leave. And it makes them, I'm just going to do me and Jesus. I, I have this church thing. Uh, church people are hard. Turns out they're not perfect either. <laughs> but this is hard, and I don't know if I can do this church thing, so I'm just going to do me and God. It's just me and Jesus. We're doing our thing. But, again, that unforgiveness is driving us toward isolation. And before we know it, we start to go downhill, we start to go downhill, we start to go downhill, and we don't even realize, man, how did I get all the way over here? This wasn't where I wanted to go. I didn't intend on going there, but as I mentioned last week, wherever you are is okay. When you have that aha moment, that light bulb moment of, I am way over here. I'm off camera. Like, I, I don't know how I got there, but I'm here. 
And I'm going to look around and go, you know what? This is exactly where I am. Wow, I don't like that. God, help me. How do I walk forward from here? Here? Okay. What about? No? Okay. Okay. One step, and now I'm here, and I still don't like where I am, but God's walking with me, and he's going to meet me every single step of the way, and I don't have to feel ashamed about where I am because God's forgiveness is there. His grace is there, and it is enough for us. If we keep looking to him and we keep trusting, God, okay, you love me. That's right. Where do you want me to go? Okay, I'm following. I'm available. Yep, okay, my next step. I'm right here. I'm following. That is enough. And so we need one another sometimes to help us with that journey. Because I don't know about you all, but I certainly struggle when I'm by myself. I can be kind of stubborn. You can ask my wife. I still think she's more stubborn, but, you know. I tend to fight back against God when he says, hey, do this. I'm like, mm, you sure? I don't know. Let me, let me think about that for a while. But when I sit down and I talk with my, with my community about it, I start to get more and more peace, and I'm like, oh, yep, okay, you're right. I, I'm running away. So, um, you know, we, we have the, the blessing of, of living with our dear friends right now as we're navigating the, the air conditioning situation. But that has been the biggest blessing in the world, truly, to be able to share community with them and talk about things. And I was, I'll tell on myself again, yesterday or two days ago, I was really struggling again with trying to get ready for this message. And God, I, I feel so inadequate. I feel like I don't have enough to give away. And I was just struggling. And we started talking. And they were a safe place for me to share my frustration and to be really real in, in, in a way that I, I can't do that to everyone. That's not for everyone, but it is for my people that I know have my best interest in mind and I know will speak life into me. And because of that, they were able to encourage me and build me up and remind me who I am and remind me what my purpose is, remind me that God has created me for so much more than what I was feeling in that moment. I was feeling discouraged and defeated and what's the point and why. And they were like, hey, take a deep breath, take a step back, remember, it's okay to feel that way, but that's not the end of the story. You know, yes, you got a lot of weight on you. Yes, it feels heavy, but there's hope. And that's what community can do. If we place ourselves in that, we open ourselves up, we take the mask off, and they're able to speak life into us. So healthy community, that's what we're striving for. You've heard of the, the proverb, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I don't know if you've ever seen iron being sharpened before. There's a lot of sparks. Sometimes when iron is sharpening iron, there's some sparks flying. But through that process, it's getting sharper. And if you think about a sword, as a sword gets sharper, it is able to do what it was designed to do more effectively. And so those sparks that come up in community that cause us to need to choose to forgive, that's so necessary because that is what is creating us. That is what is forming us and making us more able to walk in our purpose and walk in our calling. And so we need that from one another. Verse in, in James 5.16 I love the Passion Translation on this, but it says, confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. 
and then pray for one another to be instantly healed, for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. We need that, confessing our sins one to another so that we can pray for one another, we can cover each other. That humility that's required to say, hey, I screwed up. I'm sorry, I've been off base. I haven't been a good friend. I've been holding this against you. This has been eating me up. I'm sorry. Can you, can you please forgive me? Can you please cover me? Can you pray for me so that I can be healed and we can move forward together? You know, in that same community, this healthy community that we're picturing, we're trying to, to paint this picture, we're called to bear one another's burdens, right? That this is a heavy load this one person is carrying. They can't carry it on their own, but together, we can absolutely carry it. Every single one of us has strengths and weaknesses. And if we were to add up and combine every single strength in this room right now, I'd be willing to bet we could do anything. But me, on my own, again, I'm a hot mess. I got a couple strengths. I could do some things well, but I got so many weaknesses that I can't cover. I need someone else to cover me in these areas where I'm, where I'm weak. But we can do that together. Galatians 6, 1 through 3 says, Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day is out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share your burdens. And in so complete Christ's law, if you think you're too good for that, you're badly deceived. Like That's a very direct interpretation of what that looks like, but it is so powerful. You know, especially the part that says, hey, you might be needing forgiveness yourself before the day's out. You know, the golden rule, do unto others what you will have them do to you. That's the way that we are designed to live in community. And when we're doing that, this is hard, but when we're doing that, that is a thriving community that is, you know, running on all cylinders and we're able to walk in the purpose that God has for us. Again, we need that community when we're struggling to forgive others. I'm... I'm made up about this other thing, and I can't forgive my mechanic that just keeps not fixing my car. I go there every time, and it just he keeps charging me more money, and I just don't know if I trust him, and it's just, ah. Oh. Hey, Angel and Catherine, help me. I'm really struggling with this. Can you help me see this clearly? And that is such a powerful dynamic that we get in community. But then God hit me with this new perspective last night. I, I didn't, I didn't expect to go here, but this is where God wants us to go today. He said that the most significant community that we will have in our lives is our families. And families are under attack. There is, there is such a target on families because the enemy does not want to see covenant relationships lived out that, that are symbolic of Christ's relationship with his bride, that's a covenant that says, no matter what, I will be here for you. And a lot of times our families are where we have the most pain. Like, like let's be real. There is there's so much pain in this room right now that may have been caused by the person sitting right next to you. And so this is very real. This is very challenging, but there is so much freedom that God wants to bring in this area because we were not created 
to live separate. The enemy is coming in to bring division, but there is unity in the body of Christ. And God desires us for, to live as one within our families. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything, especially family. But here's the other thing. If, if he can't destroy it, he'll just distract. Here, get busy. Do all these kids' events. You don't have time for one another. You can't grow and do the things that you need to. Or, hey, you know, there's all of a sudden I fall in love with golf. And I'm out on the course playing 36 holes a day. I'm just never at home. There's other, other loves start popping up and pulling away attention. And we, for whatever reason, we tend to neglect that relationship that is so essential and so vital and so life-giving. So without forgiveness toward our family members, without being able to walk in forgiveness toward those who have hurt us the most, our families are going to be torn apart. And we won't have the ability to walk toward what God is calling us to walk in and what he's asking us to walk in. And so I just, I feel such a burden. Like this is weighing on me so heavy that there, <laughs> there is so much hope here. I need to speak that because there's a lot of pain here. There is so much real wounding that has happened, but that is not the end of the story. That is not the end of your story. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, with the power of the Spirit inside of you, you can walk through that. You can move forward. You can walk toward unity in those places that feel completely broken. God is a God of redemption. And I looked it up last night, Webster's Dictionary of Redemption. There was a lot of different definitions that just kept adding on to one another. To redeem something means to free from dist what distresses or harms, to change for the better, to offset the bad effect of, to make worthwhile. And so in that, God is a redeemer. That doesn't always mean full restoration of everything the exact way it was before. He is a redeemer to change for the better, to offset the bad effect of, to make worthwhile every single pain that you have experienced, every single challenging thing that you have walked through. God can and will redeem that if we allow him to. And so where I feel this weight, where I feel this burden right now is God inviting us to go into those places of pain within our family. God is bringing unity back into the body of Christ. That is where he is going. That is where he is leading us. That is where he wants to take us. And it's up to us to say, yes, I'm available. God, I'm hurting. I am broken. I have nothing left to give. But you have my yes. Give me the strength I need to walk through this. Give me the strength that I need to cling to my closest community, my most significant community that you've given me. Some of the times we, we didn't even choose, we didn't get to choose who our parents were. We didn't get to choose that. That is our family. But that's the community that we're a part of. And so even when it hurts, even when it's hard, God's asking us to trust him, to let him do the heart work. And here's the thing, forgiveness is different than reconciliation. So forgiveness 
is up to you. You have the power to choose to forgive. Reconciliation takes two. It takes two people choosing to walk in that forgiveness, choosing to accept that forgiveness. And so the most important thing in forgiveness is that you can't control someone else. No matter how much you desire it, no matter what you are wanting, you can't control them. But what you can do is you can trust God with their heart. And you can trust that he hears your prayers. You can trust that he is speaking. And he's after. He's after that other person. They still have a choice. They do. And that's the hard reality of what we face. But God is for you. God is for unity. God is for families. And he is bringing restoration. I'm declaring that right now. There will be restoration in the families in this church and in the body of Christ across the world. I speak restoration, a greater revelation of forgiveness, a greater revelation of the heart of God that we could be empowered to walk in it because we cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it on our own. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God to have any hope of walking this out. Otherwise, we're just checking the box and doing the, the right thing that we're supposed to do and there's no power. It's a form of godliness, but it doesn't have power. It doesn't have the authority that we walk in when it comes out of a place of being filled. We can only give away what we first received. And so there, there is a invitation for God to meet you wherever you are and for him to fill you and for him to restore hope. I speak hope over your situations. No matter what it looks like, God is not done. No matter what you see right now, God is not done. He has not forgotten about you. He's not looked over you. He's not busy working on someone else. There is hope there. But he doesn't want you to just know it. He doesn't want you to just, oh, I heard there's hope. Okay, well. He wants you to feel. He wants you to experience his presence. He wants you to experience what he has done for you. He wants you to experience the depth of that truth. So as we get ready to close tonight, today, God wants to encounter us. He wants to meet us right where we're at, whatever that looks like, whatever pain you're going through, whatever challenges you're walking through. He wants to encounter you. He wants to breathe life into your situation. He wants to breathe hope into your desperate circumstances. And he wants to remind you that you are not alone. You're not alone. You are not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. I saw something so powerful last week right here at church. At the end of the service, God told me to just take a step back and look. I saw the church being the church to the church. It wasn't just whoever was preaching. It wasn't just my message. It wasn't just the prayer team. It was the church 
the body of Christ, being the hands and feet of Jesus to the rest of the body. We need one another so desperately. We cannot do this alone. We cannot do this alone. So Jesus, right now, I'm asking you to come fill this place. Come fill us, Lord, with your love. We need you. God, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot muster up enough strength. I can't muster up enough courage. I can't muster up enough will to just choose to love. I need to receive a fresh filling of your spirit in me. God, I don't know where you are leading. I don't know where you are going, but you have my yes. You have my yes. Come have your way in us right now, God. In Jesus' name, amen.